Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 38. Jesus headed straight up to Jerusalem. When he got near Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olives, he sent off two of his disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you will find a colt tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks anything, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. The two left and found it just as he said. As they were untying the colt, of course, its owner came out and said, what are you doing untying the colt? They said, his master needs him. They brought the colt to Jesus. Then throwing their coats on its back, they helped Jesus get on. As he rode, the people gave him a grand welcome, throwing their coats on the street. And right at the crest where Mount Olives begins its descent, a whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over the almighty works that they had witnessed. Blessed is he who comes, the King in God's name. All's well in heaven, glory in the high places. Amen. Certainty right now is at a premium. During a time of crisis, people want that sense of knowing what's happening, why it's happening, what they can do. That is so important. And with COVID-19 going on and the fear of us dying, the fear of our hospital systems being overrun and not being able to provide adequate care for other people, that's the uncertainty. And not knowing, are we going to make it through this? And then I add on top of that, all the different things that are going on with the messages that we're getting. For example, look what I'm wearing. A few months ago, these, they said they were worthless. You don't need to wear a mask anymore, they said. It doesn't make a difference. Just this last week, they came out and said, oh, by the way, start wearing a mask when you go out in public. But they put it as a recommendation not a requirement. Mixed messages. We were told that by following Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'd be able to worship together. Now they're saying the end of April, perhaps even into May, before we can begin to restore slowly what life is about. And then if you're in Phoenix, we were told that we were supposed to stay at home. And I applaud our governor in doing that. They said, here's a list of what they is called essential businesses. Yesterday, Friday, because we're recording on Saturday, they said they modified that list of essential businesses. And now we wait and go, well, what will be next? If it was essential then, it, will it be essential in the future? All of this uncertainty, this mixed messages that we're receiving can leave us feeling very uncertain, very anxious, and filled with doubt. And when we are filled with doubt, one of the things that happens is we begin to lose trust. We lose trust in our civil leaders. 
we lose trust in experts. Because one expert says one thing, another one says another thing. We lose trust and faith in media. And you know as well as I do, there's a plethora of media outlets that are continuing to bombard us. And so when we lose that sense of trust, then we begin to look inside of ourselves. Because if I doubt other people, then I become more and more dependent upon my experiences, my beliefs, and in turn, facts aren't as important. Because we're bombarded with these different facts and we have difficulty determining which one is true, which one is false, what is real news, what is fake news, that we end up basically just kind of withdrawing within ourselves and using ourselves as the ultimate authority. Now, that's really difficult in a time such as what we have right now. And so for some people, they would think now's the perfect time to turn to religion. But people don't trust religions anymore either. Since 1972, almost 30 years, the level of trust that people put and gave toward religions has dropped 30%. 30%. Why? They got tired. They got tired of the mixed messages that were coming from religion, the fighting between religions as far as who's right, who's wrong. They looked at what religion was saying, and then they looked at what religion was doing, and they began to see a bunch of hypocrisy. And so people began to have a distrust toward religion. But not only religion, but for people like me, ministers, pastors, amans, rabbis, people began to lose trust in us, the spiritual leaders. And we're to blame for that. I mean, let's be honest. Because that word I just said, that's one of the problems, is they looked at ministers and spiritual leaders and said, you're not being honest with us. Before the internet, we could say whatever we wanted, and very rarely were we questioned. Now we make statements, and some very extreme, and people are able to fact check us. And they know very quickly how honest we are. And then we also see within clergy, there's been violations of our ethics. All of that continues to build and people begin to look at ministers and spiritual leaders and say, I don't know if I can trust them anymore. In fact, it's quite interesting. People trust police officers and airplane pilots more than they do ministers today. Ah, but at least we have the Bible, right? That you can trust. Or can you? More and more individuals are even losing trust in this spiritual writing. For example, they look and they see the supernatural events that took place. And then they look at what science tells us about our world. They look at what science is telling us about nature. And they begin to realize that these supernatural events... If they were true, they were one-and-dones, or they are just stories, fables, myths, because science says that can't happen today. And so people have begun to lose trust in the Bible. Another big one is that the Bible has inaccurate history. 
It says that certain things happen. For example, in Ezekiel, it talks about Egypt being totally wiped out. But yet Egypt is still here today and was never completely wiped out. So these inaccurate sayings that we find in Bible, they begin to realize that I can't take it literally. And therefore, if you're used to doing that, you lose trust in it. And even God. I mean, think about some of the images that we have of God. And we do all sorts of mental gymnastics to explain either why God really did that or it's just a saying and not to be taken literal. I mean, think about just the violence. And again, I'm going to go back to Ezekiel because that's the book I'm reading right now every morning. I read a couple of chapters from there. And it is amazing, amazing how violent God is. God is going to do some really terrible, harsh, cruel things to humanity for one reason. So that they will know that he is God. Think about that. So that again is another reason why people are not trusting the Bible. They don't trust civil leaders. They don't trust experts. They don't trust the media. They don't trust religion. They don't trust clergy. They don't trust the Bible. And one of the other reasons they don't trust the Bible is because of the inconsistencies. For example, the text that was just read to us for Palm Sunday. If you were to read that text from all the four Gospels, if you had a Bible, a parallel Bible that has those, and you could read them sequentially, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because all four have the story. Read it all. And there's differences. How do you explain that? If this literally took place, why, for example, in Matthew, does Jesus ride two animals, but in Luke, he only rides one? So that kind of inconsistency has made people lose trust in the Bible. People wonder if that event actually even ever occurred. So is it historically accurate? And then when it comes to interpreting it, you get really two main schools of thoughts. Some individuals believe that by Jesus having this grand entry, by telling the story that way, that Jesus was coming across as a threat to the Romans. On the other side, there are some people that read the exact same story and come to a completely different conclusion, and that is one of conciliatory. That Jesus actually wasn't going against the Romans, he was actually being humble and putting himself below the Romans You get both interpretations, and both have great arguments, and we have great articles supporting both positions. Then, when you stop and you pause and you think to yourself, how would a second century individual read this text? For example, let's say there's a man that lives in the rural surrounding areas of Jerusalem. And he begins to hear this story circulating about how Jesus, when he was alive, took this grand procession into the city. One of the things that would have entered their minds, perhaps, was when this individual ended up seeing that Jesus told one of his followers, go, you're going to find a donkey, take it, commandeer it, take it, bring it to me. And according to Luke, Jesus never even offers to give it back. When this rural guy reads that, he all of a sudden begins to realize 
That's what all political and national leaders do. They take what they want. So as he heard this story, I'm not sure how good of an opinion he would have had of Jesus. Now think of the another individual who actually lives in Jerusalem. He's been Hellenized, meaning he's become familiar with the Greek and Roman culture. He gets it. And when he hears this story about Jesus entering on a cult, all of a sudden he begins to think about not only the way that the Romans entered a city, their leaders, but also he began to think about some of the writings from the Hebrew Bible. And he began to see that this was a messianic story. And perhaps this individual began to have hope again that eventually they would be thrown and gain freedom from the Romans. There are so many ways in which just a simple reading of the Bible can become so diverse and understood in, in a wide variety. And that alone creates this sense of distrust that people have. They want certainty. They want to know this is what the Bible says. This is what God wants for them. And during the time of COVID-19, that really resonates well with people. But if you can't find it there, where do you find it? Where do you find that sense of certainty? For me, I tend to look at the life of Jesus and wonder and ask that question, where did Jesus find a sense of certainty? Now, the first answer that came to my mind that I knew that should be in my mind was God. It almost becomes perfunctory. It's like a tip of the hat. Yes, we have certainty in God. But then let's get really honest and think about where do we find certainty? Because again, for many people, they don't even know if they can trust God. But when I think about the life of Jesus, I begin to wonder that what Jesus, where he found his sense of security, was in two things. Number one, wisdom. In the Old Testament, we have what is called wisdom literature. Wisdom is considered to be a female. And wisdom and God can often be seen as being synonymous with one another. Wisdom is knowing life. It's understanding how life works, how life happens. And so we, as we read throughout the Bible, we see these little sayings of Jesus that were probably remembered by his followers and eventually found their way into the Gospels. For example, words of wisdom when Jesus says, the wise person, when they go to build a home, they build it on solid ground. They don't build it on sand. That's wisdom. That's just common living life knowledge. But you don't have to go through these, all these experiences to develop your own wisdom. You can actually take the wisdom of the past, this rich tradition. And as you read it, you begin, as Jesus would read it, and begin to think about the situation and the circumstances of your life today, you begin to make that blend. And Jesus was so good at this. 
Jesus could hear these stories. Jesus could hear these wise sayings. And then he took them and he expanded on them. He built parables around them as a way of saying this is life. And you can't separate living life from God. And that's where the wisdom comes in. That's where the certainty comes in. As you begin to realize that you're not alone. That you may be here in your journey, but there are people that came before you, and there will be people that come after you. And so I believe Jesus found a sense of certainty and wisdom. The second area that I think Jesus found wisdom was in this intuitive side of him. We read throughout the Bible that Jesus would take time to go off and be alone. And in being alone, he was with his own thoughts, with his own ideas. And then I imagine that Jesus was able to kind of steal his mind as he remembered what other people had said, that it is in silence that you find God. And Jesus began to trust what he felt inside. I mean, we can see this throughout the Bible. What Jesus does, he does with confidence because he's operating from a sense of knowing himself and therefore, in turn, knowing God. What Jesus said and what Jesus did, people marveled at because he was operating from a place of sincerity within himself. You know, if there's, there are blessings out of this COVID-19, I know you got to look long and hard to find them. But one of them is has its, it has slowed down life. These stay-at-home orders require us to literally spend more time alone. And that actually could be a blessing. Because you perhaps could begin to find out and listen to the, your own voice. What's going on inside of you. And begin to operate from a place of authenticity rather than completely responding or reacting to what's going on around you. That's the intuitive side. Now, you may be saying, well, this seems very human-oriented, that our certainty is found in just ourselves. And that is one way to look at it, especially given what I just said. On the other side, if we can reimagine God and that God is so much a part of humanity as we found expressed in the life of Jesus, then when we really know ourselves, maybe that is where we know and encounter the divine. I know right now that I am feeling a lot of uncertainty. Concern for my children, concern for members of our church, concerns for Phoenix, Arizona, our nation, the world, concern for you. But this I do know, that we will make it through this. Of that I am certain. And so how we live now will impact how we live on the other side of this. 
where I find my certainty now will be where I find my certainty after this. I challenge you this week to find that certainty within the wisdom of our ages. And that you will also find that sense that sincerity that excuse me you will also find that sense of certainty within yourself and that intuitive side of who you are and in finding that you find god amen thank you for joining us for today's show you can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.